All right, all right. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Excellent. Everybody's got a new handout, session 12. Thank you, Jody, for handing those out. Last week, we were at 1 Peter 4, one of the best chapters. You can also say that about 1, 2, 3, and 5. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is about 1 Peter. I'm not going to go on my like love fest for First Peter right now because I have done that already. But uh, every time I sit down to look at an, uh, the new chapter for us to read, I'm always like, hmm, wow, man, you know, like I spent a bunch of time just in like the first few words of the first verse that we're going to look at today, like in the new in this new session because that was just so rich. But if you have the handout from last week, maybe some people were here, some people weren't. I don't. I have one. I looked through my office. That's one of the reasons I uh, ran down just a few minutes ago is that I could not uh, find the rest, the, the other ones of, uh, of this. But it's okay. It's all right because we basically finished. So it would help if you open your Bibles to 1 Peter 4. Because we'll talk about the very end, verse 11, more or less, First Peter 4, 11, and then, we'll, and then we'll go to the next session. But let us pray before we start. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, you have brought us together once again to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest your holy words. Let they be honey to our mouths and sweet in our ears. Let us be part of how we think and how we talk and how we live. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. All right. Baby Arthur's here so we could start too. He's so wonderful. All right. Last, let's look at verse 11, please. I lied. Verse 8. Above all, because that's like, it, it goes all the way down. If You have to start with 8 uh, or with 7, but at, with 8. What's the most important thing in verse 8? Above all. Right, that's so beautiful. Above all. Now here is where you can get into a little bit of trouble with the Greek if you haven't been to a seminary and paid attention in your Greek lessons. Above all, love each other earnestly. Is that what your Bible say? Love each other deeply. It's just the verb love. Oh. Well, what's the, uh, what's the, what's, who has, do you, do you have an ESV journey? All right, right, NIV. So uh, if you have an ESV, which I prefer the translation right here. So what do you have at verse 8? Above all, keep loving, which assumes what? You're already in the love camp, right? Keep loving one another earnestly. Now this is where I would prefer the uh, Jody's version. Not earnestly, but what, Jody? Deeply. Deeply. I 
love that. So if we could combine those two versions. Keep loving one another deeply. Earnestly is good too, but deeply is beautiful. So this is how this whole thing starts. And how are you going to do that? Right? Well, first, lover covers, love covers a multitude of sins. We talked about that last week. Cover a multitude of sins does not mean you pull a cover, right? A, a sheet over people's sins. That's not what it means, right? It can't mean that if you're reading 1 Peter. If you pulled that verse out of anywhere and just had that verse, maybe you could say it means that you shut your eyes to people's sins. But this verse belongs in a letter. And this letter has many other things in it. It's context. So clearly he's not saying that. Because he says this is the good life and this is not the good life. right? So we, he's telling us what's, what's good and what's not. And then he goes on to tell us how to live the good life, right? Hospitality. Serve one another with the good things that God has given you, right? Uh, If it's your speech, if it's uh, your actions, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. In the, in the, uh, in the, if you have session 11, now it's okay if you don't, if you need session 11 and you weren't here last week, I can run copies of this uh, after and, and give it to you. But one of the things that I wrote is a quote from Leo the Great. Nothing is stronger against the wiles of the devil, dearly beloved, than the kindness, mercy, and generosity of love, through which every sin is either avoided or conquered. I think that's beautiful. So this was in the commentary series that I have, that ancient commentary series with church fathers and church mothers. So this is great. Every sin is either avoided or conquered when you have kindness, mercy, and generosity of love. And I wrote, finally, receive your neighbor as you were receiving Christ. In that way, you always serve your neighbor with joy. Because it's hard to serve Christ without joy. If you know that Christ is in the room, and He is Lord, and He is King, it's hard to not be joyful. So if we could look at each other as though they have Christ in them, which if you're baptized, then you're in that camp. Then there's that sense of joy in serving, which leads us to session 12. So the last thing we hear is, Amen. Right? In verse 11. And you say, good. The letter is over. It's not over. It continues. But then you get to verse 12. Right? It ends with, let him have the glory through Jesus Christ. To him belong dominion forever, forever. Amen. It almost feels like the end of a prayer. Right? Amen. To him belong the glory and the power and the glory forever and ever. But then he starts again. Beloved. So let us read from 12 to 19. because That's what we'll try to get through today. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. 
If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is the time of, for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the, righteousness, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. That's the latter half of chapter 4. So we start at the beginning. And I titled this series, this session, We're No Strangers to Trials. Are you surprised? You shouldn't be. How does he start? That's exactly how he starts this section. Verse 12. Lovely people. Loved people. People full of love. People who love to love. Right? Remember, keep loving each other. Right? He just told you that a few verses ago. Don't be surprised. You shouldn't be. Christian suffering will sometimes feel like you're being burned alive. But it is not as if something strange is happening to you. Now, this is strange. It is strange. The fiery trial. When it comes upon you to test you. Though something strange is happening to you. What's going on here? What's going on? Why is he saying this? Why shouldn't you be surprised? This is, this is like high-level stuff. It seems just very straightforward and like, but it's actually it takes a lot to process all of this. If we're living like Jesus, uh-huh. Jesus always surprised. Okay, so that's where we start. You're a Christian, you bear the name of Jesus. Jesus suffered. Why won't you? Now, okay, so that's point one. I don't want to jump the gun because I want to talk about that at uh, verse uh, section two here of my uh, of my hand up. So let's continue. Actually, you are to rejoice and be glad, and we already talked about that. Why? Because we actually are partakers. We share in the suffering of Christ. Christ suffered, and we do too. Somebody read verse three. I mean. Um, uh, 321 there, what I wrote. What does that say? You might be in that same page. You might not need to turn. But what does 321 say? Yes. Can I have another copy of whatever? Oh, 
Oh, does somebody have, uh, is there a copy oh, in there? Okay. Here. Here. Excellent. Okay. Somebody read 221. But Janice, can you do 221 for us? Actually, do 220 and 221. <laughs> Stupid numbers are so small. <laughs> so let's read uh, both verses. 220 and 221. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you will have been, you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. <laughs> Peter, you already talked about this two chapters ago. Why are you bringing it up again? Right? We talked about that. The circularity of First Peter. Now he talks about suffering again in verse 4. It will come to you but do not be surprised when his glory is revealed. Point C. Jesus will return to right all wrongs. Only then will we experience a joy without measure, a joy that no eyes have yet seen. So rejoice now and rejoice later. Practice joy. It's interesting that at verse 13 he says all these things, a fiery trial will come, but rejoice. What does this sound like in history? What has happened in history to Christians? Well, yes, but somebody said something more specific maybe that I heard. Fiery furnace. What else? Think, not, think outside uh, the biblical narrative. We've had Christians being burned, right? That was like popular to do. Let's burn some Christians. There is a question in uh, commentaries of First Peter that I, I don't come down on one way or the other. Depending on how you date First Peter, uh, when you think it was written, some commentators say that this actually might be a reference to a Roman emperor that started burning Christians, right, and putting them like on the side of the road. So if you're a Christian walking by, you're like, oh, hmm. So maybe the word fiery trial has to do with that. I'm not sure I'm fully in that camp just because it's a later emperor. And I believe the letter was written earlier. Earlier at a time where they weren't burning Christians yet. But it would be coming. Um, so maybe fiery trial is just a figure of speech. Or is it, right? Fiery furnace. Probably say again? Is it a prophecy? Of what is it a prophecy? The, right? So if this letter is written earlier, and then you're reading this letter when fire is actually consuming Christians, Right? 
Maybe they're not setting Christians on fire, but they're setting my house on fire because I'm a Christian, right? Forcing me to leave and find, be in exile, right? Going back to the beginning of the letter. So yeah, uh, there's a lot in that word, fiery trial, but rejoice. And it's interesting that he says rejoice twice in that verse. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. When is that? Past, present, or future? That first part of that sentence. Present. You are sharing. But then how about the rest of the sentence? Basically later you'll be able to share in the glory. Yeah. If you're miserable now, you might be miserable then. You know? And I say that tongue-in-cheek, but... Man, I didn't write this, right? What I'm giving to you here is not mine. I didn't write this document. So rejoice now, for you'll rejoice later. And I love that. It just comes right after he says you might be burned. Leah. Insofar as you share Christ's Yeah, I think, thank you for saying that, because in my mind, I'm the only one that thinks that way. I'm the only one that thinks, oh, you know, I'm suffering for something else I did, but I'm going to blame it. I'm going to say, oh, no, this is Christian stuff, suffering, right? I think there's a lot to be said about that in the church today. I think there are a lot of people in the church who are doing things perhaps in not the most Christian way, claiming they are, suffering for it, and then saying, see, I'm justified because I'm suffering, because they said I was going to suffer, and now I'm suffering, even though they didn't take the Christ path. Precisely. A martyr complex, right? Um, so, but that's another, that's for another Bible study. Or not. Or, uh, or maybe we'll run into this. So, yeah, rejoice now, rejoice later. What you said is coming back. So let's keep going. We have been given Christ and his name. So that's um, 1D, 1A. Um, this is something to rejoice about because, remember, we had nothing and now we have everything. That's the big reason why we rejoice. We went from not being a people to being a people. Went from being from the dark now into the light. Right? We have we are royal priesthood. Right? Where before we had no tribe. 
So we have to keep all of that in our minds as we get to chapter 4. Because remember, there was all that beautiful, beautiful stuff that he told us who we were in the previous chapters and verses. So let's talk about the second part. And the second part we might spend a lot of time on. It's possible, even though it's not my plan. But... What's a, what's a common misconception about Christianity regarding the Christian life? That your life is just going to be blessed. Where did that come from? Huh? What they say. Oh, uh, uh, Kirby said the exact answer I wanted. Misconception that you're, well, say what you said exactly. That your life is going to be blessed. That your life is going to be blessed. But is that, is that, okay, yeah, yeah, qualify that. I call it the wheat and blessed. Uh Uh-huh. That everything is just going to go great. That everything is going, easy, great, right? Rich. Rich. What else? No troubles. No troubles. Why would we think that, though? Let's, let's actually, like, instead of just, buh, 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 we're smart. Let's, why would we... What's under all of that? Let's think a little bit deeper. That's people looking in. And people are looking in thinking that. Is that what you I mean, if you're looking in from the outside, people think that that's what Christians... I mean, um, you, don't know, you don't know really about the Christian life. Yeah, but there are plenty of churches, Jody, that would preach this, right? No troubles, wealthy, right? This is not a new idea because in the past, when you know, half the babies didn't even live past five months, five, or you know, whatever it is. I mean, people face so many more early death and just troubles. It seems in the past, and then as we got wealthier, and you know, healthcare grew and. It just seems like they changed the whole Everything improved, right? Well, did it? Yeah. Does the Bible talk about Christians being blessed? All the time, right? Like that's, that's, that's the word of the Sermon on the Mount. Right? Blessed, 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 blessed. Defines blessed. Precisely. So. And there are examples in the Old Testament, constant examples of Right. 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 Uh, so how can you hold those two things, being blessed and being a child of God, and having an inheritance which? No one can take away, right? That's First Peter, inheritance talk. But then at the same time, fiery trial. How can you hold those things together and what do you need? So the title of this, of, uh, of this section two is maturity. Because you're a new convert and you're sitting here in the pews and you hear Peter talking about, hey, don't be surprised if your door gets knocked in in the middle of the night and you get, what's one thing that you could do sitting in that pew when you hear this? 
Well? Well, no, no. So you're listening to Peter's letter, right? As a new Christian. And he starts talking about fiery trial. What's one thing you could do? This didn't happen when I uh, wasn't a Christian. Why am I going to risk this now? How much does that happen in the church? Right? When everything's cool, everything's nice. And this happens a lot with new converts. I mean, this is what he's talking about. This is why Peter's saying this. Right? New converts come in and everything is beautiful. St. John is great. The community is beautiful. Everybody wants to hug you. Everybody wants to help you. Genuinely, this is all true what I'm saying. But then you walk out these doors and you're still part of this community. People here still love you, but you're going to face some stuff out there. And then suddenly you go, hmm, that doesn't look like the church. And wait a minute, now they're calling me names and now they're accusing me of this and I don't part... I don't think I can take this anymore. Like, I'd rather just... So, I know plenty of examples, plenty of examples, of friends, acquaintances in my life, who when push came to shove, I was like, oh, this is not the church that I thought I was going to be a member of. Right? I thought it was going to be blessed, 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 blessings all over, and no trials. And like, it's just, it's sad for me to say this, that this is just a reality of the church is not having this be straightforward, right? What I mean is, if we don't share our stories, if we don't share our experiences with new Christians, then new Christians are bound to just walk out the door. If you don't say, actually, the Christian life is full of struggles. Let me tell you about mine. And there's a difference between unloading on the other person. <laughs> yeah, I trauma stuff, right. But, right, the rejoicing. Let me tell you about the joys that happen in my life when I was in darkness and I'm in light, when I wasn't a person and now I'm a person. I was given this inheritance. And how I live in the world but as a Christian, right? And I think that's something that, that's our job as the church to, to share that. Or else you read this fiery trial stuff and you say, I don't think so. I don't know, I don't know. Janet? I think we can also look at this section as this is Peter's maturity. Uh -huh. You know, they were called there out of their fishing boats, and everything went along pretty well for a while. Yes, it did. And Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem and be crucified, and Peter goes over my dead body. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't too much later, and he turned around and denied him. That's right. And then Pentecost comes, and he becomes the preacher mm -hmm. in Acts. And the next thing you know, he's thrown in jail. Yeah, right. You know, so here we have, we've got Peter really talking about what happened right. in his life. Thank you very much for saying that, because this is something that's, that's been hard for me in the study, is to do what you just did. Because I get so wrapped up in these five chapters, because we spent all of first, the first first session forever ago, we spent talking about this. But if we forget all of that, then we're like, actually, how did this happen in Peter's life?
Well, and I think because we see so much of Paul, right. we forget about Peter. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, he got taken out of prison by the angel and goes, knocks on the door, right. door slams the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have an axe scene here somewhere that we're going to turn to. It's on the uh, it's on the other side. But let's that's very true. So is Peter expecting a certain level of maturity from his listeners, from his readers? When one suffers, one can hold on tight, or one can try to escape. And in many areas of life, escape is the best option. And my example is a house on fire. Right, your house is on fire. Of course, you're going to escape. You're not going to say, "Hey, I'm strong enough to withstand this." Right? That's like we have to understand that standing firm, Leah, is standing firm in the things that Christ, the good things that Christ has for you. Right? It's not standing firm in, you know, murderer or a meddler or a liar and this and stuff like that. It's standing firm on the good things Christ has for you. The, the life of a Christian is no walk in the park. So why do we persist? Why do we keep going? That's the question. That's the question, man. Right. And, uh, yeah, what did you say, Kirby? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Penny. Hope. Hope in what? In the future, in Christ and eternity. Christ in eternity, in a new life with him, right? Yeah. Can you save yourself? Can you resurrect yourself? Right? Christ's life was no walk in the park, and he suffered too. So how does maturity play into this part, specific part of the epistle? How do different Christians react towards suffering? Now, this goes back to how we started this maturity section. Things get hard, and I feel like I can't do this anymore. Again, I, I don't know too much of the history of people who are members here or were members here, but just, again, in my personal life, it's just when things get a little hard. Oh, I don't have time for the church. Oh, the church didn't do what I wanted. Oh, this didn't happen. Jesus didn't do what I wanted. And I had all these plans and all these prayers. And no, this didn't work. The church isn't for me because I didn't get a pony. Right? You guys know the pony thing, right? I want a pony. I want a pony. I want a pony. And Jesus didn't give me a pony. So don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes as though something strange were happening. This is the craziest part. Right? Out of, in, my, in that verse, the, the part that is most mind-blowing is that, is that one, that last sentence. Right? It's, don't be surprised, because you can say, huh, okay, the fiery trial is coming, and this is pretty strange. But he's saying, the fiery trial is coming. And guess what? It's not strange. It's, it's Kirby and then, oh. go ahead. The oh, very, oh, yeah. The very first time I met Kleinig, Pastor Kleinig, was two years in here, so many years ago. And things were going well here at church. And so he asked me, I had never met him before, he goes, how are things going at St. John? And I said, they're actually going really well. And he literally goes, beware. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, oh, beware. Okay. He goes, 
Satan, and he, I mean, this is right before dinner, he goes, Satan is coming for you now, and Scott, and your children. And I go, oh, good, oh, good. <laughs> oh, that's not a surprise. I read First Peter. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. But, but he was right, actually. And I, it was interesting. He, doesn't, he wasn't, he was just like, be, just be, he's basically saying, be prepared. Yeah. It's because Satan finds a way. Yeah. And that was, a, in a way, it was good that he just came right out and said Yeah. Because I was unsurprised for them. Because I think I thought everything was going to kind of go, we're doing, we felt like we're doing the right thing. Right. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but okay, so I have mature, so, mature yeah. people who have experiences and practice joy. Yeah. And that also is super helpful. Yeah. So you are around other mature Christians. Right. I don't want to go in the, in the joy um, <laughs> study, right? There's, uh, that's because we could spend two or three sessions just talking about that verse, the joy verse. But it's not this mindless happiness. No, right? Joy is not that. It's not like, oh, I'm going to close my eyes to all of the horrible things that are happening in the world, or I'm going to pretend like they don't happen. It's just a way of life. It's Jesus was joyful. The, Jesus' life is a joyful life. He's giving things freely to people who might end up killing him. Right? He is not going around grumbling all the time. He's not pointing fingers and saying, look, 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 look. It's, this, it's, it's a way of being, right? Even the, though the fiery trial, so yeah, beware. Yeah. Um, maturity is, to me, in the Christian life, is as you experience, I have been a Christian my whole life, so when bad things happen, you can look back and you say, boy, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have this, or I wouldn't be there. So Christ came, it, 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 he did do good out of it. And then the next time something happens, you think, boy, I gotta depend on Christ because it happened. I, I didn't think I could get through it that time, and I did, and look what I have now, and look the blessings, and, and, and every day is like that. Mm -hmm. So it's constant blessing. It really is constant blessings, no matter what happens. If you really know he's behind you, everything is a blessing. That's what it's like. Everything is a blessing. And everything is bad. You keep thinking, hmm, this is bad, but God's going to work it for good. I know because I have the experience. It's happened before. And no matter how bad it is, Mm -hmm. All that, all the time. Yeah. Yes. And then it isn't anything to go through. Uh huh. So I, I mean, with my cancer now, people keep saying, "Oh, how many years did you pass it? Oh, because everything's positive." Right. I mean, right. The first cancer, I had 15 years after that cancer. Right. So he gave me 15 years. He gave me my grandson. Right. I think everything's a blessing. Yeah. No matter what I have. Right. It's good, and it's only going to get better when I pass it. Yeah. So I can take anything. It, right? It's that. If you don't have this, then you really, it's hard to have these two. If you don't have the experience and the memory, faith and maturity don't grow. 
And that's why new Christians, they don't have... Right. If I just pray hard enough, I'm going to be mature. If I just do this hard enough, I'm going to right, be mature. But it's not really about that. But I have a story about that, but I'll leave it for later. Nancy Butcher. I just always go back to Matthew, and I can't remember the chapter and verse. In this world, you will have tribulation. Right. And it's so simply stated. You'll have tribulation. I have conquered the world, yeah. No matter what is out there. Right. He's there, and he's going to help us. Yeah. So how do new, okay, so how do new people, I mean, I've always been Christian. How do new people get to that point? I mean, how do you Looking at you. Looking at you, right? We are, we have to live, Christians live as though Jesus has been raised from the dead, right? That is the witness we give. You live as though Jesus has been raised from the dead. Because if you didn't believe that, none of what you said, you would have said. But that's a Christian. That's a Christian. We live as though, and Right, we say that the stool on which Christianity stands, the one-legged stool Christianity stands, is a justification, right? If Jesus died for all our sins or didn't die for all our sins, right? If it's a maybe, then forget it. Let's throw all that out. If it's a yes, but, let's throw that out, right? So it's a hard yes. Jesus died for all my sins. And he was raised from the dead. That's how I can trust him. Right? That's how I know I'm raised from the dead. That's how I know that my fiery trial isn't my identity in Christ. It has all to do with this, but the fiery trial is not the end all of my Christian life. Rather, it's the new heavens and the new earth. It's my life with him. It's my life in the church. It's my life with joy in him. And we can get all of that out of those like two verses. Don't be surprised and rejoice. We all have those experiences. If you didn't hear Jody's question, it was very good. How do we then tell new Christians this? Or that wasn't your question. You said, how do new Christians get the maturity? Get the maturity. Because they're new. It's like, you know, going for a job and you need experience to be able to do the job. Right. (laughs) Right. And my answer to Jody, I don't know if you heard, but was looking at you. And looking at you. And and looking at you. Right. A mentor teaches you. Yeah. And that's what church is. We have to teach you and show them. But then that's a whole other Bible study on American Christianity that is. No, it is, because in American Christianity is, you don't need me, because you have your Bible, and you figure it out, and you already have Jesus, so you really, I mean, it's fun to be here, because we get to laugh, and we get a free coffee out of this, and, you know, we get out of the house, but you really, like, essentially, you don't need this, right? Right, that's what I'm saying. Yes, you do, right? I'm being ironic. Because in this individual, oh, sorry that my irony wasn't so. No, what I'm saying is, everything out there is saying you. This is on your own, and the church 
And I'm so glad you guys pushed back on this because the pastors here have taught exactly the opposite of what I just said. That the church isn't you're alone and then you come back for this little thing just to have fun, but then you're alone, right? Because not alone in a bad way. Like a lot of churches are saying alone in a good way because it's you and Christ and you don't need anybody else. I don't need a community. I don't need a church because it's me and Christ. But then uh, is that what this is talking about? No. So a Christian doesn't just, a new Christian just doesn't need you for a hug and a smile and a handshake in the morning, but they essentially need you to survive in the Christian church, to be nourished. We nourish each other. Communion of the saints, the mutual consolation of the saints. Like those are real things. It's not wouldn't it be fun if we had the mutual constellation of the saints? Wouldn't it be fun if... No, 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 no. Like, th that's not a cherry on top. That's like, actually, that's what makes the Sunday. You know, without it, it wouldn't be a Sunday. Without that, it wouldn't be a church. Right? It would just be random people getting together. So what I'm saying, going back to you, this is all because of you, this rant. How does a new Christian see this? How, do we, how does a new Christian get this? By looking at each one of us. Right? We are... Because maturity takes time. Right. Yeah. Do this. It takes time. Right. Christ, maturity. Christ could have been alone, but Christ around himself with disciples. Like, in the garden, when you need them So, try to connect verse 8 to verse 12 and 13. Love each other deeply. Keep loving each other deeply. Because you know what? There's going to be a fiery trial. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange. So rejoice. And again, one thing with the English language, and it is the English language, that, I mean, other languages have this problem too. But in the English language, you don't have... This, like in our Bibles, y'all, but all of, basically all of the U's that we see in Pauline and Petrine letters are all you all. So when we just see the word you, well, he's just talking to me right, because it's you and it's singular, but it's rarely that. It's all of you, my beloved, all of you keep loving each other earnestly. Rejoice all of you as you share, all of you share in Christ's sufferings. And some, that's something we miss in English, uh, that it's very clear in Greek, the plural nature of it. Right, uh, you find me a Bible that uh, actually is probably out there with the y'all translation. Um, so let's close with this. Today was a, a very, very good session, but so we'll close with D here, a line from the Book of Concord from the Apology, from our Confessions. The saints are subject to death and to all our common afflictions. Common afflictions. And this is a direct reference to 1 Peter. So I, if you go to Indexen, uh, we're in this together. 
We have common afflictions. But what's the, uh, what's the key word here in that, in that sentence? And I, under, I, I, I tell us it's common, but that's not the key word. What's the key word? Saints. Thank you. Right? That means you're in the all-set club. You've been chosen. You've been made holy. You've been made a saint. You've been made a Christ. A little Christ. Right? That's the key. The saints. We're going to die. We're going to have common afflictions. But we have been sainted. Yeah. We'll continue next time talking, talking about insults and the judgment of God and then how we finish up about trusting the one who is faithful. Thank you all very much. It was very fun, as it always is. Thank you for the beautiful, awesome commentary. Yeah, that was very edifying, so thank you. Next week, we'll, we'll, we're going to keep on this. I, I, won't have, I don't think I'll have a new handout. So we'll pray and we'll go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. Love you. See you this weekend.